0: Back to order. Uh, colleagues, this hour, this afternoon, we have Mr. Reed Cowan, who is a donor and fundraiser with the Wesley's Smiles Coalition, a, uh, an organization to raise funds for the Free the Children organization.
1: A government committee is hearing testimony of an unusually personal nature from an American journalist named Reed Cowan.
2: Um, the floor is yours. I'm here today to speak for and on behalf of this little guy right here.
1: He holds up a picture of a beautiful beaming little
2: boy. This is Wesley Cowan. And so when I talk today, I hope that you will receive what I have to say as a dad who's here to speak on behalf of his son. Um, I am the proud father of Wesley Cowan, a little boy who's April 23rd, 2006 fall from a swing set claimed his life and thrust those of us who love him into a years-long effort to turn pain into purpose by building schools in Kenya.
1: After the tragic death of his four-year-old, Reed Cowan reached out to the WE organization to ask how he too could start a charity to build schools in Kenya. He says they told him to skip the paperwork. There was no need for him to register his own charity. They told him,
2: You you can become a fundraiser. We'll track every donation. We'll always track every donation that comes in under Wesley's name. Have them just send the checks to us.
1: Reed became a star fundraiser for the WE organization. His story inspired others to give. He was told that major corporations joined WE because of his speeches.
2: Now I know that all of you got up this morning and you likely prepared for this hearing going through routine and procedure, but I want to assert to you something that uh, routine and procedure are really never a good way to understanding what I hope to convey in this hearing. And that is this, that learning that we charities and Free the Children are embroiled in scandal and that assurances made to donors are now in question feels like to me returning to my son's grave to find it broken open, defiled, and empty.
1: Reed traveled to Kenya for the opening and dedication of one of the schools he had been told his funding had built. He was welcomed and celebrated by singing Kenyan children. A plaque was unveiled bearing Wesley's name. Reed gave an emotional speech to the Kenyan children.
2: In giving you this school, I am giving you my son.
1: And then, years later, he learned that he had been duped. A video read found online revealed that the school he had gone to kenya to open had already been opened other donors had been told that they were the ones who paid for it the video showed an identical opening ceremony for the very same building it had been filmed two weeks prior to his visit
2: same people same songs same everything um pretty
1: devastating and then after Reid Cowan left, the plaque dedicating the school to Wesley was removed and replaced with a different plaque, dedicating it to someone he had never heard of before.
2: It had the name Esther Grodnick.
1: Reed Cowan was not the only one. The CBC reported on similar schemes where multiple donors were told that they alone had funded the same Kenyan development project. And Bloomberg News reported that WE organization employees in Kenya had a joke about how often they were asked to deceive donors.
2: There was often jokes that plaques should be made of Velcro because they were so often swapped out on schools that donors thought that they had built once the donors had left.
1: For Rick Cowan, this was no laughing matter. He demanded accountability, not just from the WE organization, but from those who had fueled its rise.
2: I have a request for the rich and the powerful and the well-connected, the celebrity and the corporate set who lent their power to the elevation of Free the Children and We Charity. I'm asking that you come out of hiding on this matter and go on the record as I have had to do today. Come out to vouch for Free the Children and We Charity and Mark and Craig Kilberger. Come out to open all of your records and all of your communications with them and let people like me and other donors Know that you believe Free the Children and we charities are, indeed, on the up and up. Prove it.
1: He called on businesses.
2: That means every corporation that engaged with Free the Children, Walgreens and others.
1: Celebrities.
2: Pop star Demi Lovato, Nelly Furtado, Madonna, who sent her daughter Lourdes.
1: And political figures.
2: And with respect, that means you, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and your family. That means Prince Harry. That means the Dalai Lama. Because hear me now, none of you have lost anything. I lost a child. And this is an opportunity now, when the spotlight is on this issue, for anyone who is involved with them to use their truth and their light and their power for advocacy, if there is any to be had. And if you don't, your silence says everything.
1: None of those people answered Reid Cowan's call. Even as the We organization came crashing down. From Canada Land Podcasts, I'm Olushala Adiogun, and this is the White Saviors. Mr. Kielberger, you're going to
2: give this number on the record under oath the total of everything.
3: So, just be clear, we've previously given. all the no, you haven't
2: actually. Defense? No, sorry, you haven't. Again, you're you're giving
4: false testimony.
2: Did
3: you wonder or ask yourself the question as to whether there would be any ethical issues? I, we thought we had until the end of the session. I promise. Well, you, you've had
2: almost your year. It just it looks like a, incredibly suspicious. You still haven't been able to do the arithmetic. Did anyone hone in on the
3: fact that you had not lived up to your financial obligations? The expenses would have been over roughly. Oh my gosh, eight. Uh, Sorry, we're doing this for you. There's so much money you can't even keep track of it
5: all. Some individuals may wish for your organization to be investigated. Allow me to offer sir, because we can't.
4: I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Kilberger. Your time is up.
6: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. In
1: the summer of 2020, for the first time in its history, the WE organization lost control of its message. In a matter of weeks, a global empire built over 25 years unraveled. As you have heard in our previous episodes, Mark and Craig Kielberger built a powerful global brand with a golden image.
0: They were
7: celebrities. People just followed them.
1: Thousands of children were taught in their classrooms that WE was the way to do good in the world. We want to make doing good doable. And multi-billion dollar corporations found that charitable donations to WE bought them slick marketing campaigns that cast them as benevolent forces in the world. If you
3: infuse purpose, you can cut your message away from louder, bigger ad budgets.
1: Beneath the surface, there were problems from the start.
6: I would say that, you know, my husband uh, described it to be very cult-like.
4: The entire operation was to satisfy the corporate partners. They're giving curriculum that is literally advertising
7: Two students.
8: We went to a hotel and they had a child labor there, and we kind of swept it under the rug.
1: The Kiburgers silenced these issues for decades, just as they kept silent on any word of crimes within their Kenyan operations. But a reckoning was coming. Right before the global pandemic, the WE organization appeared to the world to be stronger than ever. They had recently opened their first college in Kenya and unveiled their sprawling state-of-the-art global headquarters in Toronto. But documents would later reveal that internally they were in deep financial trouble. In
6: 2018, the auditor flagged for the first time that We Charity was in breach of its bank covenants.
1: This is Kate Bain, the managing editor of Charity Intelligence, an independent organization that ranks charities for donors. She saw that We Charity owed the bank millions and had blown its deadlines for payment.
6: That is a massive, massive red flag. Um, I, I have never seen that on any other charity in its audited financial statements. So here you had a charity that was, you know, very close to the wind and was now over the line on its financing. Kate discovered something
1: else. While WE Charity was missing payments to the bank, it was still sending money elsewhere. As you will recall, the WE Organizations for Profit Social Enterprise, me to we was founded to send money to WE Charity. But money was in fact moving in the opposite direction, out of the charity and into me to we, a kiwaka-owned private company. The term for this is backwash.
6: The backwash. Me to we backwash.
1: Kate Bing said she had never before seen backwash of this magnitude.
6: You know, how much money is we charity paying me to we? You know, and you're looking at, you know, $3.4 million. Then,
1: to make their financial troubles even worse, the coronavirus pandemic hit Canada in March 2020. The WE organization quickly reacted by laying off employees. Almost all of them.
7: The number of job losses grew quickly into the hundreds.
1: This is testimony from Michelle Douglas, who was the chair of We Charities' Board of Directors when the pandemic began.
7: It was our view that you could not fire hundreds of people without very strong demonstrable evidence and even then should explore mitigation measures to save jobs. Given the pace and volume of job losses, the board committee demanded if the organisation was making drastic decisions based on daily reports, we needed to see them. The executive team, when asked, did not agree to provide these documents.
1: The Kielburgers never did provide those documents. Instead, they asked Douglas to provide something herself, her resignation.
7: On March 25th, Craig Kielberger called me to ask that I resign from the board of directors of WE Charity.
1: You may remember that this is not the first time Craig Kilberger demanded the resignation of the chair of his board of directors. In both instances, it came after the chair started looking closely at the Wii organization's finances. Michelle Douglas's exit may have protected the Kilbergers from internal scrutiny, but it would not save the Wii organization from its money troubles. Under the pandemic, they could not sell volunteerism trips. They could not sell corporate sponsorships for We Day concerts. Their entire business model was suddenly frozen. But then came a gift from the gods, or at least a gift from the government.
5: Students are facing unique challenges this summer due to the pandemic. So today, we're launching the new Canada Student Service Grant, which will allow post-secondary students and recent grads to gain valuable experience while also contributing to their communities.
1: As you will hear today in our final episode, this gift turned out to be a curse. In fact, it led to a scandal that would bring We Charity crashing down and reveal secrets It had been hiding for years. The scandal that changed everything was not about celebrities or crime. It was about politics.
6: Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with accusations of a cover-up in Ottawa, with new details emerging in the We Charity controversy. Conservatives say it's clear the Prime Minister has something to hide.
9: So the We Charity political scandal, like any political scandal, has become this tedious thing canada reporter and publisher, Jesse Brown. Hundreds of hours of testimony, thousands of pages of documentation. And so people think that it is all very complicated. It really isn't. I, I think I could probably explain the whole thing in under three minutes. Okay, so once the pandemic hit, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's government moved very quickly with a bunch of relief programs to keep the economy going. One of which was a grant for young adults, who, because of COVID lockdowns, were losing their summer jobs at restaurants and sleepover camps and whatnot. The idea was to pay them each a few thousand bucks to do some volunteer work. This was gonna be a huge program. News reports had it budgeted at almost a billion dollars, and someone would have to manage it, handing it out in small bits to the right people, one volunteer at a time. The group chosen for this? The WE organization. They got this massive grant. They would keep over $40 million of it for themselves. No need to even get proposals from anybody else.
5: The WE organization is the only organization in Canada that has the scale to deliver right across the country. Right away,
9: reporters smelled something fishy. Justin Trudeau had been connected with the WE organization and with the Kilburgers from the very beginning of his
5: political career.
7: We're the hubby, your 23rd Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau.
5: This is my fourth WE Day.
9: And it wasn't just him. His brother spoke at WE Day events. His mother, Margaret, spoke at many WE Day events. And the WE organization launched a podcast hosted by his wife. I'm Sophie Gouart Trudeau,
8: ambassador and ally for WE
9: Wellbeing. Under these circumstances, it, it just looked like a massive conflict of interest, a huge favor for friends. And the obvious question from reporters, was there quid pro quo? Before Justin Trudeau's government decided to hand the Killbergers hundreds of millions of dollars, did the Kilburgers pay Trudeau or, or anyone in his family any money? And the WE organization quickly answered that question, no. They said that none of the Trudeaus have ever been paid anything for their involvement. Which was consistent with what they've been saying about WE Day events for years. We're at the WE Day stage, that's a gift to Canada. And for a moment, it looked like that might've been the end of it. If everybody's just been doing this for free, like what's the issue? Like, is it a crime to volunteer for charity? So long as no charity money was going into politicians' pockets, then there was no quid pro quo and no scandal. Except for the fact that the WE organization was lying. Two weeks went by after they told the media that they had never paid the Trudeau family. Margaret Trudeau doesn't say anything to contradict that claim. Justin Trudeau doesn't say anything to contradict that claim. And then a source sends me an invoice from Margaret Trudeau's speaking agency to We Charity, billing them for thousands of dollars in speaking fees. And it turned out that they had paid her a lot more than that. And Justin's brother, Sasha, too. And they paid for Sophie Trudeau's travel, and it all added up to over a half million dollars in cash and trips and expenses. And then it comes out that they only started paying the Trudeau family after Justin Trudeau had been elected prime minister. Before that, it was all volunteer work. But then he becomes the most powerful politician in Canada, and suddenly they start putting money into his family members' pockets and also, also sending his finance minister on luxury vacations for free and giving a job to the daughter of that finance minister. And then... Next thing you know, the WE organization gets a huge contract from the Trudeau government, and they didn't even have to compete with any other charity for it.
5: I made a mistake, given uh, our family's history. And I'm sincerely sorry.
9: So Trudeau then actually shuts down the government to block several investigations into this affair, but not before his finance minister takes the fall and is sent packing, and there you go. It's a pretty simple scandal, actually. For the record... That was 3
1: minutes and 48 seconds. Anyhow, the political scandal opened the
9: floodgates for everything else. You know, newspapers in Canada had been partnered with WE for many years, but now suddenly they also started to investigate the WE organization, and there was a lot of story to go around. Once everybody started digging, it seemed like every few days there was a new allegation or, or revelation. The National Post looked into We Charity's real estate holdings and they discovered that here is this children's charity that had just laid off most of its staff and it owned about $50 million in prime commercial real estate. Our reporters found that Craig and Mark's parents, Fred and Teresa Kielberger, who are both retired school teachers, had privately accumulated at least $24 million in real estate by the year 2018. And at that point, they began selling it off, liquidating it.
7: But it's the sort of trading hands and numbered companies, uh, other family members.
5: I I think you're uh, perhaps confusing some of the real estate that my parents have done.
4: I think one of the things that's been difficult for everyone trying to get a sense of how you operate is because the multitude of companies, the multitude of side holdings, and the vast real estate empire has certainly drawn a lot of attention uh, through numbered companies, your personal holdings, we're not really sure. So... Could you
5: explain what this structure is all about? It's a charity on the one hand, but why
0: is there this labyrinth that exists under it? What is that all about?
3: You're right, sir, that our complex, our, our, our operation is complex because in our heart, we're entrepreneurs. Meanwhile, we charities'
1: former friends began running for cover.
0: Corporate sponsors like RBC, KPMG, and Loblaws abandoned We during the political storm. And so, too, did the Prime Minister.
1: Mark Kilburger was soon gone from the board of fast food chain, Freshie, and from the board of the Prince's Trust, the charity founded by Prince Charles. The We brand was suddenly toxic. The Trudeau government scandal was now the We charity scandal. And it was no longer just about politics or money. Former employees began speaking out about other issues too, like racism.
8: Hi everyone, my name is Amanda Maitland. Um, I have been nervous. I have definitely have felt fair. Um, but at the end of the day, I feel like I know myself enough to know when I feel this heaviness on my chest of something, that means that my heart is telling me that I need to speak.
1: Amanda Maitland explained on her Instagram that the WE organization hired her to speak to students about anti-Black racism. But then, they didn't like what she had to say. So, they wrote a new speech for her.
8: I was asked to talk about cornrows, and I was asked to talk about the Oscars, and I was just like, are we talking about what's really happening in Canada? Are we talking about systemic racism? Are we talking about the incidences of of being followed in stores constantly and carded, and all of these, these real things that were happening? were completely erased.
1: She spoke up at a We Organization town hall meeting.
8: And not one, not two, not three heads nodded, but the whole room was agreeing with me. And I believe that was a threatening thing.
1: Mark Kilberger himself silenced her.
8: And then the founder then stepped up from the wall and completely shut me down in an instant. It was like, no, we're done. We're not having this cut. Just very blunt, disregarded of anything that I said.
1: Craig and Mark Kilburger publicly apologized, but it was too late. The WE organization was beset from all sides.
2: I'm speaking out about it because I've left the organization. I too need to speak up about my experiences at WE. I'm
8: disgusted, enraged.
1: Former employees, journalists, politicians, their own former director, all chipping away, questioning and criticizing
9: and uncovering years of secrets it was relentless, and, and the allegations grew more and more serious. Santay Kimikeki posted his whistleblower website with, with accusations of criminal behavior, guns, death threats. Later, there were child abuse claims. Bloomberg News tracked down former students who'd gone to Wee's Kenyan Girls' School, who said that they were beaten by teachers there. And the WE organization's response was to deny it completely. They said it never happened. And here at Canada Land, we learned about this other thing, th- this whole plot about what they had been doing in secret to us tax filings showed that they had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in charity money to hire this company, this Republican strategy company, these operatives who specialize in in dirty trick combat PR campaigns. And what these guys did is they planted stories in random right wing news sites, calling us fake news. And the purpose for this, it seems, was to poison our Google rankings so that when you search for We Charity, especially if you're Googling We Charity in the States, our investigations here at Canadaland wouldn't come up. Meanwhile, it turned out that the We Organization had actually been spying on us, on our reporter, Jaren Kerr,
0: and on me and my family. The Kielbergers had paid a private investigator who looked into Jesse Brown, his wife, and children. The Kielberger say their lawyer told them this was standard practice.
9: They went looking for the name of my eight-year-old. For some reason, they wanted to know what school my kids go to. And they went looking through school board records, like, like parent-teacher meeting records, in order to find that information out. I, I still have no idea what they planned to do with that information. And when they were questioned about that, under oath, Craig Kielberger would not answer.
2: Have you um, ever hired a private investigator? that may have looked into Jesse Brown or reporter Jaron Kerr.
3: Sir, if, if I may say, with due respect, you are reaching to the bottom of a barrel if Jesse Brown is now who you're quoting to bring you a question and you're not answering it.
1: For weeks, shocking stories
9: about WE Charity dominated the Canadian press. We knew that they'd hired a very expensive crisis communications firm to help them find a way through their scandal. and. I remember thinking at the the height of this, what is the move for them? I mean, what could they possibly say right now to make this all go away? Until this point in their scandal, they had refused all
1: interview requests. Then, the Kilburger brothers promised to break their silence and gave an exclusive interview to CTV News. They said they had big news to announce.
5: We have something important to share with Canadians. Uh, we're going to be announcing today that we're winding down We Charity here in Canada. But it breaks our heart.
7: But just to clarify, at this moment, the me-to-we profit arm is not dead. At
5: this moment, we're not uh, able to make any decisions yet. Um, but, um, but everything is, is, is really coming to, to an end in, in some major respects here today.
1: It was never clear why this closure was needed, we Charities still had $50 million in Canadian assets, and it still had a charitable mandate to serve youth in Canada, which it had raised millions for. The Kielburgers never fully explained why a political scandal meant that this work had to stop.
7: So it, it feels like such a drastic move. Why is this happening so fast?
3: It's actually been something that's transpired over the past seven months now. COVID-19 hit us very hard. Then the call from the government to help produce the National Service Project and the political process and the, the, the political freight train that unfolded after that.
1: We Charity is closing, read the headlines. The brothers explained that they would sell the charity's real estate and use the money to create an endowment for Kenya that would last for generations. We
3: felt that this was the best action for children at this time.
1: Craig and Mac described themselves as victims of circumstance, collateral damage in a partisan political scandal.
7: Aren't you angry? Of course. You're clearly upset. Of course. Who are you angry at?
5: Not angry at anything. I'm angry at the situation.
3: There's no one to blame. Politics is a very tough sport. And I'll acknowledge our naivety in politics on this. We were naive. We own that. We were very naive. After that, there was this sense
9: that the We Charity scandal was kind of over. I mean, we continued to publish the things that we learned. And we would get responses online like, enough already. Stop kicking them. They're already dead. But but as the months went on, we kept an eye on things and noticed that they were still very much alive. They were still soliciting charity donations for programs like an Indigenous youth workshop that they were no longer actually running. They were still booking guests for stays at one of their luxury resorts, even though they claimed that these properties had been converted into COVID-19 field hospitals. And then I realized, like, by the time that they announced this huge news that they were closing down their Canadian charity, they had already, in effect, shut down due to the pandemic. So really, the organization that they were announcing the, the the closure of had already been closed for months. The only new information in that announcement, really, was that they were planning to now sell their real estate empire and they were going to step down personally. The Kilburgers were going to leave the charity that they had founded. And a year after those promises were made the Kilberger brothers are still very clearly running the WE organization, and the money that they have made from selling their real estate, well, $5 million of that did not go to their international development projects in Kenya. It was deposited in the bank account of a privately owned for-profit company owned by the Kilbergers. So my opinion about that announcement of WE Charities closure, that was an act of misdirection. A disappearing act. They faked their own death. It seemed to have worked. The public
1: lost interest in the endless committee meetings taking place in Parliament. Then came Reed Cowan. You got
4: Mr. Cowan to take his son's death and legacy and, and build a story across America, and then when he was gone, you gave that school to someone else. How do you justify that?
3: I am I am with you on this. I'm not fighting you on this, or I agree with you. This is this is serious. This is why even though yes, it's years ago I've spoke to
4: many of your former staff who say that you guys put on a show for donors. It was about selling them on that emotional tag, that they talked these jokes about Velcro plaques. You know, it was Mr. Cowan who's asked for a police investigation. It was Mr. Cowan who believes that he was defrauded.
5: Mr. Cowan has every right to be upset, and no words are sufficient to erase the grief that this error compounded. Working in developing countries is challenging. Ending generations of extreme poverty is not simple, but anyone of any age who builds something, who, who does something differently, who tries to innovate for good, is going to make mistakes. The death of a child is beyond words, and our heart goes out to him. 15 years ago, he said he wanted to help children in Kenya, and he did
9: just that. Reed Cowan put them in a very difficult position, and the way that they responded to him is uh, the WE organization said, yeah, what, what, what you're saying is true. Uh, we, we admit it. This is a terrible mistake. But, but really, don't worry, because if you thought that you had done a wonderful thing for the children of Kenya, you did. The, the money that you raised to build schools, it was spent building schools. And that might make a certain amount of sense in, in wider terms when you think about how a lot of charities work. You know, like when the charity shows you the, the beautiful tragic child and says, send money now to adopt this child. Everybody's not adopting that specific child, right? I mean, like people get that. Like, you know, let's all grow up here. The point is that all of the money ends up where it's supposed to go. And in the case of the schools, that's what they said. They said, "Sorry to read Cowan about the plaques, but you know he can be rest assured every dollar they took for building schools was spent building schools."
5: We, as an organization, the money goes to help kids. It's been twenty-five years of helping to build over fifteen hundred schools and schoolrooms around the world. And Parliament said, "Okay, prove it."
4: We ask for the list of the schools that were built. Fifteen hundred schools, by the way is the equivalent of one school every five days for 20 some years. That's an incredible um, machine for building schools. Uh, this question of the 1500 schools,
9: where are they? I think that with this question, at, at long last, we, we hit the bottom line. You know, if you built the schools, where are they? Show them to us.
4: It would have been the best, simplest option for them to shut down all that concern by simply showing us the list. Here's the 1,500
9: schools we built. And they couldn't. What they did was they sent a bunch of photographs. Not 1,500, but 996 photographs. Some of them were photographs of buildings from the outside. Some of them were interiors. Some were obviously multiple photographs of the same building. And and some were just pictures of kids standing in front of schools or just like outside. How do you build
4: a school without knowing where it is, how many students are involved? This is something that charities know and understand and can answer those questions right away. I've spoken with people who are in the field uh, working in international development. You know where your projects are. You have to know where your projects are. And yet they can't tell us where the schools are. I find that extraordinary. If you're raising money, if you're out there, you're on the ground, you're doing this, you you would know where those schools are. And we were never able to get a sense of exactly what happened with the donors. Uh, How many schools were they overselling schools? Uh, We don't have a picture.
9: So you do hit a bottom line here. and, And I think at the bottom line, there's really only two explanations. Either the WE organization built 1,500 schools and then lost them and forgot where they built them, forgot what they're called, or they never built 1,500 schools.
2: I have filed a fraud investigation with the United States Internal Revenue Service calling for We Charities and Free the Children to be investigated for fraud in the United States.
1: There was a lot of tough talk. The Kilburgers were threatened with police investigations and tax audits. They were told they'd be held in contempt of Parliament for refusing to answer questions.
2: Craig, you're in a lot of trouble here, my friend. You're under oath.
6: Perjury is a crime.
1: But ultimately, no law enforcement
9: agency opened any investigation into the WE organization. To be very clear, it's not that the WE organization was cleared of criminal wrongdoing. They were never even investigated. Now, there was, of course, the parliamentary investigation, and that did find wrongdoing by the Trudeau government. When it came to the Killbergers and the WE organization, it did look for a moment like they had very clearly broken federal lobbying laws. But when parliamentarians dug into that and tried to hold the Kilbergers responsible for these dozens of unregistered meetings with uh, public office holders, they surprised everybody. There was a loophole. Those laws prohibit unregistered lobbying from employees of an organization. And neither Craig nor Mark Kilberger are technically employees of We Charity. They founded We Charity. They ran We Charity day in and day out. But neither Craig nor Mark actually holds an official role in that entity. They're not executives. They're not directors. They're not on the board. They're volunteers.
3: Being volunteers for We Charity for the past 25 years has been the greatest privilege of my life.
4: Come on, Craig. We're no dummies here. You guys run this organization. You're a volunteer that has a chief of staff who's paid for by the charity.
1: The salaries of Craig and Mark Kielberger are paid by me to WE, not by WE Charity. Beyond that, the brothers own companies within the WE network that hold millions of dollars of assets. Because the Kielburgers don't technically work for WE Charity, if it were ever proven that WE Charity broke the law, someone else would likely be held responsible. Kerrigan is a former top WE organization employee we call Chris.
6: If they were volunteers,
1: why were we
4: following the orders of volunteers? When you look back at it, you're like, oh shit, we're complicit. Is this on us? Is the buck going to stop with us? Is the buck going to stop with... Michelle from the board, you would never do the things that we did if we knew that there was no trackable responsibility. Like, that's completely insane. Because how did she not know? How did she take orders from a volunteer? Like, that's completely unacceptable. That you were chair of a board? ruled by volunteers? Like,
9: what the fuck? The closest that anyone has come, as far as I'm aware, to holding the WE organization responsible in court was an effort by Reed Cowan. His lawyer sent them a letter accusing them of defrauding him and demanding compensation and saying that if he didn't get it, he would sue them and he would continue to speak out against them. The WE organization refused And they accused him of extortion. And all of this somehow makes its way to the Washington Post. And they run a piece that is incredibly critical of Reed Cowan. I think it's fair to say he came across as an opportunist looking to make a buck. Now, after that article ran, I I did not hear of any other donors claiming that they had been defrauded or threatening to take the Kielbergers or the We Organization to court. And I would suggest that it's it's not terribly surprising that other wealthy donors, uh, celebrities, none of them have shown much interest in taking the Killburgers or We Charity to court. A lot of them got involved with We Charity hoping to look good. Uh, Reed Cowan did not come out of this looking good. And when it comes to the money, well, I mean, they already parted ways with the money when they made their donations in the first place. So it, it kind of just makes sense. Like, what do they really have to gain by taking the Kilburgers to court? And to be fair, I suppose that that is a dynamic that is true of most charities, it kind of makes you wonder how often stuff like this happens, and we just don't know about it.
1: The WE organization may have taken things farther than others.
10: I was surprised
1: at how bold they were. But according to Professor Feroz Manji, the Kenyan academic we spoke to previously, the bigger issue is with the way charity is practiced in Africa and elsewhere. When charities become businesses, he argues, then poor people become assets. And businesses need their assets.
10: What these NGOs do is to hide the fact that there is a process going on that makes people poor, that impoverishes people. And so you have these people claiming outrageous achievements. If one looks at the last 40 years in Kenya, indeed in most African countries, you will see that there are more unemployed, more landless people, more people in the ghettos, large-scale dispossession of land, large-scale exploitation of natural resources, and massive impoverishment to claim that by providing little services on a private basis has changed things. To to put it politely, it's bullshit. Um, And and, uh, if you look at the money that, as you've quite rightly uh, shown um the money that is being made in this and uh, the corrupt practices would not be necessary if in reality they were they were dealing with impoverishment
7: you may be thinking well you're only 12 years old this is a big problem what can you do to help first i would like to say Being 12 years old is no excuse. No one has a good enough excuse for ignoring these child workers' problems.
9: You know, looking back at the start of this, when when Craig was just a kid, leading boycotts of products made by children and kicking down the doors of sweatshop factories and, and speaking at labor union conferences, it's just so different from what he became. But you also have to note that, you know, he was a very unique kid. You know, most kids aren't like that. Most kids don't have his confidence or his talents or the resources that he had. When you consider that the goal of what he and his family were doing, really from the start was to mass market this, to to, to launch a global movement that required thousands of kids to participate, It does a lot to explain how they had to change that message. Anger is a hard thing to sell. A lot of people don't want to get political. They don't want to get angry. And when you look at what ultimately distinguished the WE organization, it is that mass marketing of charity. They were not the biggest charity ever. They were not the most effective or impactful charity ever. But what they did do was they commercialized charity like nobody before them. They they turned it into a a mainstream product that everybody could consume. Kids at shopping malls, celebrities, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Everybody could participate. And in order to do that, to offer such a popular product, in order to make doing good doable, they needed a message that would fit everybody. They needed people to believe that you could change the world without really doing anything
0: you can change the world for the better while literally doing the stuff that you would probably be doing anyway. It's awesome. If you wanted, you could find a way to make playing Grand Theft Auto benefit a charity of some sort. The wonderful truth is, you can be selfless and selfish at the exact same time.
1: The Wii organization was not the first charity to sell simple solutions, and it won't be the last and I've lived this truth myself. And this is my reality. As I've told you, there are over a thousand NGOs operating in my country, Nigeria, and many more around the African continent. Without ignoring the simple fact that some charities help people who need to be helped, the story of the WE organization demands that we pay attention to a greater truth. But as long as we repeat the myth that the world's problems can be solved by the charitable sector and that the suffering of people in so-called third-world countries can be solved by pity, then there will always be a market demand for African suffering, and African suffering glorified by many, the media, privileged and rich people, celebrities and superstars people seeking opportunities to make themselves look great instead of just doing good.
10: You can't fight poverty. What you can fight is those who make people poor. We need the time to be able to do that, not be distracted by do-gooders, the white saviors, My complaint about saviors is saviors only survive if they have victims.
1: White Saviors, an original podcast from Canada Land. The White Saviors is written by Mark Slotsky. Narration and script assistance by me, Olushala Adeogun. Production by Jesse Brown and Kevin Sexton. Mixing and sound design by Chandra Bulukon. This episode relied on reporting by Jaren Kerr, John Alan Namu, Shannon Carey, Jonathan Goldsby, Andrea Schmidt, Van Mala Subramanian, Harvey Kashore, Kate McKenna, Danielle Boshov, Natalie Obrico-Pearson and David Herblin. For more details on this story, including a list of our source material, full articles and complete responses from the WE organization, visit canadaland.com slash
0: A Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.